Welcome to a football show here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. That is Zach Lyons, of course. Thursday edition, back in the saddle. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? Feels good to be back. I'm I'm, I'm a well-rested, well-relaxed. Uh, we had a great time down in Florida. We were down we we're down there. Got to watch all the, the games and everything, and it was quite the experience, specifically the Bengals game, watching all that. Uh, hello, Tim. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Jump in the comment section if you got any questions or comments. We are going to get Zach's thoughts, of course, quickly here on the Bengals' loss, and then we'll transition very fast to the Eagles matchup this weekend. We'll talk about the championship Saturday in college football, what's going on with the Heisman college football expansion, but a lot of Titans talk, of course, per usual, on the program today. And I, So I'm assuming that you had a far better seat for the action on like Saturday and Sunday than I did when I was at, at Vanderbilt Stadium with uh in the rain and 50 degrees with my daughter right oh yeah I was uh, I was out at the beach so Saturday <laughs> we watched the game at the marina bar and oh. there is a uh oh. a projection screen so we got we got there put our stuff up and immediately went there and started downing Michelob Ultras and everything and uh Todd Downing my yeah. brother-in-law um is a Michigan fan, so that was, and there's actually quite a few Michigan people there. Oh, nice. So that was, and we, me and my dad hate Ohio State, so obviously rooting for Michigan was was easy to do. And then of course Alabama won, and then of course LSU loses, which was even better. So yeah. it's a pretty good weekend besides Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, we'll get to your thoughts on Cincinnati real quickly here. A lot of Titans talk with the Eagles, of course, coming up. The Eagles, uh, one of the best teams right now by record, uh, of course, in the entire NFL. The question is. How true to form do both teams have to play this weekend? And there is a player on the Eagles team that I will mention. I don't know if Zach will mention him by name, but I will mention him because I can't wait to watch how it unfolds on Sunday. But we'll get I'll, to I'll, I we'll can get to mention that. A.J. Brown only in stuff that pertains to the game. Okay, I have said that. Now, this all this other stuff that people tend to care about because they need clicks on their website and listens on their audio and platform. I just don't do. I mean, we just get our stuff the good old fashioned way. Yeah. And I don't actually even know. Like I, I, I you're the one who combs through the sewers. I, I did I, not come through the sewers this week, so I'm <laughs> um, pretty clean. You right, know? Good, good. And uh, I kind of like it that way for this week in particular, just because yep. I know I'm sure AJ has said stuff and I'm sure that the players have said stuff and eh, who yep. gives a shit? You're, you're all you're all showered up. You know, you're all yeah. clean. You got the sport coat on. You're good to go. Uh, and AJ Brown will not bring us down into the sewers yeah. this week. Uh, yeah. He will not uh, bring us down into the sewers, uh, although I live in the college football sewers, so I can't really. I can't really. I'm not one to talk here. Twitter is my drug of choice, but it's just a different sewer that I live in yeah. uh, than all you Titans folks. Uh, again, if you got questions, if you got comments, jump in the jump in the comment section there. Uh, turn on the notifications, of course, for all your great podcasts, uh, all the Twitter feeds, uh, the YouTube feeds, all that great stuff for Broadway Sports Media as well as 440 Sports. You got football and other efforts. You got Hot Read Pod. You got all the stuff from 440 Fringe Element. Lots of Hugh Freeze talk, of course, on the Fringe Element podcast this week. Uh, Lamestream Sports is going to feature John Talty, who is an author for AL.com, who's covered both Nick Saban and the Auburn coaching searches for the better part of any and the Ole Miss situation. So lots of lots of bizarro stories. <laughs> so just go if you care, if you want to hear all those stories, we're going to spare you on the on the show today. But go go listen to all the stories and then make up your own opinion about Hugh Freeze, the human being. Um, want to say special thanks, of course, to our wonderful and amazing sponsors, the Pharmacy Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors. Make sure you check out all those awesome locally owned businesses that support a football show, 440 Sports, Broadway Sports Media as well. Weiss Liquors. Search Uber Eats. Just type in Weiss Liquors and have the booze delivered to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes, Zach. Well, they drive so you can drink. 
You didn't miss a beat, man. Nope. Your bye week really worked. Yeah, you're like variable, a well-coached team off a of bye week. You're good to go. Uh, Weiss Liquors, of course, right there uh, by the Titan Stadium. So, you know, before after a game, you need to stock up for the tailgate, stock up for the week, swing by Weiss Liquors, support a locally owned, family-owned business since 1932, everybody. Of course, the pharmacy, awesome place to hang out still, even though if the weather's cold, you still can go in and have a great burger, a great beer, a great brat, some great mustard, all the best food uh, over there at the pharmacy. So go swing by at lunch. You want to go take the family on a Friday night. They got a good spot for you as well. So lots of, there's no real reason not to go try the pharmacy, Zach. Oh, I mean, it's, it's a year round establishment. It's kind of like Disney world. You can go anytime and have all the fun you want. (laughs) Uh, There you have it. Of course, the Kingston group as well, buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. It's a firm. So they will help you. They're not a, a bunch of GCs and independent folks that are just going to walk away from a job in the middle of it. Uh, they will sign you up from the beginning to the end of the project. You'll know exactly what you're dealing with. If you got any big decisions about your house, make sure you check out the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Uh, George asks, Braden, how does it feel to be someone who apparently complains about the CFP on Twitter for a living? <laughs> I guess I, this is one that happened, I guess, during the weekend as well, where I, I, like, when people get paid to talk about the Titans, like if somebody in the Titans media or if Zach is tweeting about the Titans, I would not come to Zach on Twitter and say, why do you even care about this stuff? Like, well, I'm like, well, I mean, I do a show about the Titans. Like it's, it's my job. Like to, to, to think and talk and have opinions about the Titans. I kind of, um, I kind of got some blowback about that with a thought on Monday about the Bengals game. I, and I, I thought, how it dare was you? Interesting. Yeah, I how thought it was dare very you? Interesting. How dare someone who gets generates revenue because you have opinions about a sports team? How dare you then pay attention to said sports team? How yeah, dare it, you? It's, it's crazy. I, you know, it's <laughs> wild. You, I think, it, I think it stems from a little bit of, you know, jealousy and, and people that uh, it comes from, I think some people that think that they're the smartest in a room and that they, 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 their opinion is always right. When in reality, it's only my opinion. That's always right. I I wish people (laughs) would just understand that. It's really not that hard. I've learned this very quickly working with you. I just, you're just right. It's just how it's always right. And it's it's just like natural. It's like being right-handed. It's, it's just comes natural to me. It's like being, it's like being married is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we'll talk about expansion, but yes, I had an opinion about college football expansion today on, on the, uh, the Twitter machine. How, how dare and I, I thought it was a very interesting I. opinion, but we'll get to it. All right. I like that. That's called yeah. a tease folks. Check that out. Pharmacy Kingston group, Weiss liquors, all those great sponsors. Check them out. All right. Your thoughts quickly. We did not get a chance to talk. Easton did a great job, but we did not get a chance to talk about the Bengals loss for the Tennessee Titans. Your thoughts quickly, sir, on the uh, the one score loss against Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, they just got bullied. They got pushed around. They are. I think the Bengals are mentally in the whole team set. The entire team said, uh, "No way, really, that the Titans should have walked away with that low of pressures." The Titans defense got bullied by one of the worst O lines in the league outside of the Titans. And they uh, they got to find an answer sooner rather than later for these six man fronts that everybody's been talking about the bear formation that everybody's yeah. been all day talking or all week talking about, and and ultimately I think that while Derrick Henry is great, like we've said all all year, he he's just an older running back, and it, this is kind of where we're getting to a point where you're seeing that he's going to be it's going to be really hard to rely on him even in the coming month that we all know what today is, because in fact, 
this month has started on football under the airports. Another thing that we are trendsetters on naming months after players. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I kind of, I think the thing that kind of, I kind of watched a game, obviously pissed off that they lost. Uh, I think the best moment was obviously Traylon Burks falling on the ball and everything. And it was funny because, you know, we got the whole kind of crowd. Uh, there's me, there's my brother-in-law and then there's my dad. And if you think I'm a big personality, multiply that by a thousand. And that is my dad. So my dad is a massive personality. So we've been, we've been drinking uh, since 10 a.m., 9 a.m., something like that. Didn't you go from like, Bloody Mary. didn't you drink like every single liquor? in? No, the, that was uh, someone bar? else in our group. I, oh, okay. I do not mix. I, I'll do right. Bloody Mary, but then I'll try to stick even within the same uh, beer. My, my body can't handle yeah, 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 mixing yeah. all that kind of crap. Yeah. But, you know, the Derrick Henry's breaking it. And you realize he's running. And we got all the we got some Panthers fans and some Falcons fans that are invested in the Titans now. And we're all cheering. And then he fumbles and we all go, no. And then we all go, yeah, because Burke scores and <laughs> falls on the ball on the touchdown. And um, the bartender is like on the other side of the bar. And she goes, wow, that was a real roller coaster of emotions <laughs> coming from over there. But and, uh, and and we'll get some we'll get some Mike Rabel uh, yeah. insight uh, about that play coming up a little bit later but, on. The you show. know, it just you know it, it sucks, but it, it it goes back to the point that we've had for pretty much the whole year. This is just a average NFL team in a below average NFL season. Like that's ultimately what they are. I, it's everybody else just sucks a little bit worse than the Titans do uh, across the board. And I think the biggest thing that kind of I came to the realization with on Monday and oh, people did not like it is that Todd Downing sucks. We all know that, right? You just, you just came to that realization. Yeah, we all know that. I mean, I have been, I have been on this board on this train for a pretty while now. If you, if you know me, you know that probably the, the quickest way to find any kind of spark for this offense is to fire Todd Downing. Will it solve everything? No. Will it solve something? Yes. It will, will solve obviously something, but it's it's come to me to realization that it's a yeah and it's not yeah but okay? okay so I said that Ryan Tannehill also should share in the blame for Burks and Chigs not seeing targets and that set the world on fire that I'm blaming Ryan Tannehill for everything that this is also a fruitless conversation because while Todd Downing still is employed we can't talk about anything else about on the offense that could be hindering it <laughs> because Todd Downing's still employed right. so I that really get into my crawl. I did see a route combo somewhere on Twitter. I, w I should remember the name. I apologize. It was at Titan Stats uh, shared it. On, I did on see a route combo where all three players ran the same route. I was like, that doesn't seem like a thing we should be doing. Oh, that, well, that's a Todd Downing special. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And then, then it gets into the thing like, well, did Robert Woods run the wrong play? Here's right, the right, thing. Right. When I put out something like that, and I even put in there, everybody knows where I stand on Todd Downing. And I'm just trying to have a different part of the conversation because you know what? I'm kind of tired and sick and tired of just talking about the Titans should fire Todd Downing. And that's How dare not you? Happen. How dare you? And so I bring in a little bit of this information, and and it's true. If even if you go and listen to the press conferences, they talk about specifically the players can't control when they get the ball. That right. means, and even Ryan Tannehill said that, right? right? right. So that means it gets on him to go through his reads or go through the progressions. Go, let's go. Now, look, should Chig get some more reps? Yes. But until he run blocks, you're not, his snap count is not going to be as high as Jeff Swain. It's not going to be as high as Austin Hooper. He's got to learn to run block. So I, I think people should be looking at snap snap counts. So there were 37 dropbacks. Chig was on the field for, I think, 19 of them. 
Okay, that's a healthy amount for a rookie tight end who's technically three on the depth chart. Did Jeff Swaim only got one target? The people who say that Jeff Swaim doesn't need to get any targets, I agree with. But you got to understand, <laughs> that's one extra target, and that's probably going to Austin Hooper, right? Like, it's yeah, probably yeah. not going to Chick. Should it? Should Chick see the field more? Yes. But he's when he sees the field, right now, it's obvious passing situations. And Traylon Burks was on the field for 31 of 37 dropbacks. He's on the field. He ran 30 routes. If he doesn't get more targets, who's that? That's on, on Tannehill, yep. in my opinion. But I want I want them to get more about it's like when everybody complained about AJ Brown not getting targets, right? At the end of the year, I think even is a tweet of yours, and then Tom Gower quote tweeted your tweet, and then I quote tweeted Tom Gower's tweet. It ended up being that the target share between AJ Brown and Cooper Cup were about the same. Cooper Cup, though is in an offense or was in offense in 2021 that played a million times more pass plays. So if you want, and I even put out there today that the explosive pass rate for the Tennessee Titans is the sixth highest in the NFL for 20 plus plus play yards in 2022. They got to pass more. And that's what I, I think I've convinced myself of on the Bengals is that I think that the pass catchers are enough. I think the play calling is, I think the play designs are enough. Yeah, yeah, and I think the quarterback is enough that this team should start relying a little bit more on the passing game to go forward. And that was well, the way I come with on the Bengals. Quick hits, I know. Well, that is a perfect segue into what the what the format of the games should look like, and both offenses and what they want to do. And we talked about this on Monday. Tannehill averaging about twenty four pass attempts per game in his first six starts. He's averaged thirty four pass attempts per game in the last three. They did throw the ball more. Some of that is because Burks and Chig have developed. Burks is back healthy. Um, certainly I think Todd Downing talked about it today that Traylon Burke's attitude is, has, has changed and he's evolved and he's maturing into the player that we all thought he was going to be, uh, when they drafted him. And so what, what is the right approach for these two teams? Key, like it, it, again, it says it right there, all about the comfort zones. The idea is to get Jalen hurts out of his comfort zone. And the idea is to get the Titans offense out of their comfort zone, but you kind of want them to do that. Because you've been preaching about this passing attack for, I mean, basically as long as I've known you. Um, And now it feels like, to your point, I am more comfortable now with the pieces and with the design and with where they're at to do that now more than they I was maybe in like week two or week three or week four. Yeah, I think the Bengals just match up really well with the Tennessee Titans as well. I mean, obviously, they got physical wide receivers and a bunch of them. They got a good quarterback can also escape the pocket. And then you're and they and they don't have to rely on the run game. Right. I mean, that is the Titans bread and butter stopping the run game. Now you face the Eagles and then you also have the Bengals who can stop the run. By the way, the Bengals, when DJ Reader is in the game and plays those those blitz packages were off the charts. Now you face the Eagles who they really can't stop the run. Right, they have a, a pretty piss poor run defense, and all they want to do is run. They have scored twenty one rush touchdowns to seventeen pass touchdowns, and we're talking they score in the first half. They don't score in the second half. So if the Titans keep a close game in the first half, there's a good chance if they're ahead with a lead, there's a good chance they can maintain that lead. It's like strength on strength. So who's going to gather comfort zone and for and force the other team? Out of it, and then to me, the comfort zone for the Eagles is to run, 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 and score in the second quarter. First quarter, eight touchdowns. Second quarter, eighteen touchdowns. Wow. Okay, five in the third quarter, seven in the fourth quarter, and that's over all these games. And to me, it's like 
all you got to do is contain Jalen Hurts, force him into enough situations where he has to make a decision. People think, well, he's got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. He's not going to make a mistake. Yeah, he is. We've seen him be inaccurate in games this year with both of them in. The difference is, is that the offensive line is so good. Yeah, it is. For the Eagles, it's like one of the best <laughs> offensive lines I've ever yeah. seen. That yeah, that's good. When they, if you do not pressure Jalen Hurts and compress the pocket, because what they're doing, and people can't see, but you should be watching the radio, is that basically the cylinder is, which is what is uh, the pocket is normally is, becomes a big oval, like a, a horizontal oval. I'm sure it's like a some other fucking word, but I don't know what it is right now. But it <laughs> becomes this huge, massive circle, like it's just a hemisphere of protection. So you got to you got to compress that pocket onto J- Jalen Hurts and make him have to make decisions in traffic, yeah. and that is what the Titans can do because they can stop the run. Even I know Samaji P. Ryan had a great stop stop uh, or stiff arm and all that stuff. I mean, I wasn't that impressed with the rushing attack for uh, Samaji P. Ryan. Against the Tennessee Titans. I mean, not having Autry is a huge factor in there. And he was up over five yards of carry until the very end when they kind of they were they were kind of sitting on it a little bit. And that's why their yards per carry went down. I, I thought it was not elite, but it was not one of the best defensive showings against the run that Tennessee has had this season. And some of that is because Autry wasn't in the game. Um, and we'll see who's available, of course. It was still a 3.41 yards per carry performance under 60 yards allowed to Samaj P. Ryan on 17 carries. I mean... Yeah, sure. He, they didn't stop Samaj P. Ryan for 38 freaking yards. But that's okay as long as they contain the rushing attack, and that's what they maintain to do. And that's what I think they're going to be able to do, and I think that plays into the Titans' hands. I, I really do. If they I, can't run the ball, if, the Eagles will crumble if they cannot run the ball. I, I agree with you, but stopping that with – because what they do and, and how creative they've been with Jalen Hurts as a true runner – is not Lamar Jackson. It's not speed. It's not get on the edge. It's not, I mean, they did some of that against Green Bay last week, but it is about power formations. You're going to pull the backside guard and tackle and lead up into the hole with a running back lead blocking. Like they, they, it is super creative. It's kind of like it's got some Greg Roman mixed with old Lamar Jackson mixed with Kyle Shanahan together with a quarterback who is a power lifter and wants to, you know, wants to run I mean, don't you over think it's you. more like just Josh Allen than Lamar Jackson? It's, I think it's, I think that's exactly, I think it's far more power football. The way they, the bills use Josh Allen in the red zone, especially is exactly what they do, but they do it out in space. They do it in the middle of the field. And what they do is they do it to force you to react. And then they attack you with AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and, and all the other weapons. And so that is where like, I, it, it's, it is there. I don't believe in Philadelphia as like a Super Bowl champion. And maybe I'm just, it's like TCU. I'm just going to be wrong about them maybe. And every week they're just going to keep winning. But man, it's, it, it is hard to stop what they're doing. And you kind of saw Green Bay figured out in the second half where they started to attack. They, you're talking about that pocket, right? They started kind of, they're not like shooting up the field and they're not stunting up in the middle. They're just slowly but surely collapsing the pocket on Jalen Hurts. And that is what allowed them to get some stops. Uh, you got to do it. Dini Gautry has to be out there. <laughs> so, so. But isn't this the best team that they faced by far? I mean, maybe that's not saying a lot still, but when you talk about the teams that they have maybe. faced, they I mean, they Dallas, went 17 right? to 16 to Indianapolis Colts. They played Dallas with Cooper Rush. They didn't play yeah, Dallas true. with that's Dak true. Prescott. That's true. And, you know, they did not play a full strength Dallas team. 
And then you're talking about, you know, they went down to the wire against the, the Colts. They went down the wire really against the Packers. They don't have one of their best defensive backs playing this week. Yeah. I don't really think that Linvel Joseph and, and Dominic and Sue are the run stoppers everybody wants them to be. Now, if Jordan Davis comes back, maybe that presents a little bit of an issue. I know he's got his 21-day practice window open, but also Ola Denny could be back for the Tennessee Titans. And Danica Watry, maybe. I'm yeah, not, not putting my eggs and that money there, but maybe he could be back. But even if Ola is back, that's still speed that you have been lacking, even with Danico in there. Well, Philly does have their own Jeffrey Simmons. Like, literally, they have their own Mississippi State defensive tackle who's been in the league for a very long time, is probably going to end up being a Hall of Fame player in Fletcher Cox, and he's one of the best players. Like, they're, they are better metrics on defense than people realize. Now, uh, to your point, not having Chauncey Gardner or whatever in the back end is going to be a big deal, the safety who's out. Um, it, it's, it's a better defense than people think. And the offense... I, I do think the Titans are equipped to handle the offense in a matchup scenario. I do think they're going to have to play one of their best games to do it. And I, my, my, one of my keys here, and I don't know if this is gets into the, I don't know if this is comfort zone or some of our future conversation, but to me, it is, I want to see, like, I think you can get up underneath AJ Brown's skin. And I think you can, you can get in his face. I'm okay with taking a few penalties even. Like, get in Jalen Hurts' face, get in A.J. Brown's face, push Devontae Smith around. That guy weighs like 110 pounds. They're all really good. But I think you can – this team makes they, – they turn all these games into rock fights. They want to be in the back dark alley. Do it every – every single play, I want you – give A.J. a nudge after the whistle. I want you – I want you – I'm not saying play dirty. I'm not saying try to hurt the guy. I'm just saying get in these guys' face, run, run your mouth, talk shit, and get them pissed off. Like I, that is that's part of what the Titans should do in this game. Do you remember the Seahawks game in 2021 where DK Metcalf was just crying yes. all game yes. long? Yes, Fulton was all over him that game. Fulton was all over yes. him. Yes, yes. That yep. I predicted when this game first came up on the schedule, and everybody's like, "Oh, AJ Brown, AJ Brown," and I'm and he's going to toast us. I'm 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 thinking. Christian Fulton is the perfect cornerback to go up against AJ Brown and do what he did to DK Metcalf and just annoy the fucking shit out of him to yes. make him cause stupid plays. Because listen, all it takes is that first pass breakup on AJ Brown. All it takes is that first five yard stop if he catches a screen. Cause you know he's like so amped up for this game. That's the mental side. If Christian Fulton or whoever's on him over on the other side just makes life hell for him even after a little bit after the whistle and makes him pay every time he catches a ball and he has a rough start to the game, he'll never recover from it mentally. I, I, I do think that you can do that to him. I don't think I actually Devonte Smith like has no pulse. So I'm not sure you can, you can yeah. mess with his head, but, and hurts technically is kind of built like that too. But if you just let them like what they did to green Bay, they didn't even throw up. Like, I think they threw like two passes in the first, like six possessions. Like it was just, they didn't even, they didn't even have to throw the ball. They didn't even use those guys. So it starts with the rushing defense. And if you can stop them, force Jalen hurts to throw the football from the pocket. And then you allow your corners to kind of be feisty and, and do their work. McCurry's been good. Um, you got a pretty good secondary. They're healthy right now. I would, your coverage is going to have to hold up. And that, yeah. I do kind of yeah. fear, you don't want to play too much man. Uh, believe as Tic Tac Titans put up that um, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown are two of the best wide receivers in uh, in um, 
in man coverage. So you don't want to play too much man. So the coverage has to hold up, right? Because your yeah. pass rush, we know the Tennessee Titans are not going to blitz. So your pass rush is going to have to get have time to get there. So you have to make sure you hold up the coverage, whether you're in man or whether you're in zone and, and you're passing players off. Discipline coverage is the key this week for a Titans victory. I think that is the most important part is that the dis the coverage not only between the defensive backs but yeah. also the linebackers versus Dallas Goddard have to be disciplined yeah. and have to do what they were doing against Green Bay where they basically just congested the whole entire field with defensive backs and and clogging up throwing lanes and forcing Aaron Rodgers to hold on to the ball. I, I think this is where if you're Shane Bowen and you're Mike Vrabel, you earn your money on pre-snap disguises like this is what like you you need to be as covert as possible if there's some if there's some tricks in the bag that you have not pulled out yet in terms of disguising your pre-snap looks this would be a this would be a game to do it and no <laughs> missed is, tackles either i mean this yeah. te this team against the Bengals had all kinds of missed tackles it was, they were they were piss poor at tackle inefficiency it was awful can't do that against the eagles team because i mean obviously Devonte smith's physical even though he's a smaller guy dallas goddard's physical and then you got Sanders. your Miles Sanders, Ken yeah. Kenny Gainwell back yep. there, and of course AJ Brown, who likes to break tackles. Yes. Um, I, I listen. I don't know what AJ Brown did or didn't say this week. I know you're not going to comment on what he. Says I don't. I don't know what he's off said, the so. field. I, I guess my advice is to people like I. I just don't know why people care that much. Honestly, been my advice since he's got traded. I don't. I don't. Under, I mean, like, okay. Uh, like he's he clearly enjoys the attention. He clearly enjoys trolling people. Like I just don't. I don't even know what he said. I don't care. I just think you can live your life as a Titans fan without acknowledging any of this stuff that's happening. You do it very I well. Him, I got him blocked. Don't yeah, you know, that's why I don't know what he says. All <laughs> I know did. is that like you, when people do their live show or their articles, they say uh, thoughts on AJ Brown, Bubba saying something, and I'm just like, oh, scroll on past that. Don't I went and that. looked. I went and looked before the show today, and I was like, I can't even. All he's doing is like, re like he's not doing. I don't even know what he's doing. The Titans yeah. fans are upset about. So just don't, just don't take the bait. Just They're always take, upset by everything. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> Just don't take the bait. You know what you you know what would make you happy? Visit to the pharmacy. That would make oh, you yeah. happy. Go to the pharmacy. Get yourself a burger. That delicious horseradish mustard that is made in house. Uh, horseradish Dijon mustard, of course. Get you some tots. Maybe a brat. Just double meat. You know what I mean? Like as much meat as possible. You, you get you can take the kids. You can take the wife. You can go with your buddies. You can get some. Uh, locally sourced beers, right? You can get Bearded Iris there. That's like the Bearded Iris Pilsner that's brought to you only by the pharmacy. It's a pharmacy pills. So they've got all kinds of local beers as well. So go check out the pharmacy, of course, over there uh, in East Nashville on McFerrin Avenue. Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors as well, bringing you all the great stuff here from 440 Sports, a football show, Broadway Sports Media, all the great stuff there. BuildKG.com. And of course, Weiss Liquors on Uber Eats. Search Weiss Liquors and have the booze delivered to your house as quickly as 20 minutes. Drive so you could drink. There you have it. Um, all right, I'm gonna let you introduce this one. I think, should, and this is a key to the game. Should the Titans <laughs> shift from Dehember to Decemberks? Someone tried to say Berksmith, nice. and I'm like, no, leave it to the professionals on Twitter. <laughs> it is Decemberks. It's it's just right there. It's right there for you. That's why I'm professional. That's why I get paid to do this for this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is it. And is, I think they should. And and here's why. We alluded to it earlier in the show. I'm not going to say Derrick Henry's not going to get 100-yard games and this and that. This offensive line, is he he can he's having a hard time overcoming this offensive line, and he's got he's going to be facing some teams outside of the Texans the, and the Chargers that are, that are built to stop Derrick Henry. 
Right. And this is one of them. And now you have two or three games where teams have stopped. Derrick Henry and has relied on Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill has been able to do some stuff through the air. And specifically, Traylon Burks has been able to do stuff through the air. And I think you just make a continued effort. Maybe it's never been a balanced offense. Like everybody's like, oh, this is a balanced offense just because they run first. No, it is a run heavy offense. This yes. needs to now shift from run heavy to a balanced offense. And it needs to rely on Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks and Dontrell Hilliard and Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook Keenan. This is in order. This is in order of what I think they should do, including, oh, I have to, forgot about Chig. Let's put Chig after Hilliard. Okay. They got to rely on these guys to move the chains, to be explosive playmakers, because they are your routine explosive players on offense. So you got to find ways to give them the ball. And I think it's more important for Traylon Burks to get 120 yards than it is for Derrick Henry to get oh, 120 I, yards. I, I totally agree. Uh, where's Jeff Swaim on the list? Jeff Swaim is, uh, he didn't make the cut. He is literally okay. not allowed in the club. Okay, not allowed. All right. Um, I do agree. If, you, if you're if you going to talk about 120 yards, whether that is consistently picking up 12, 15, 18 yards, or two or three big explosive plays, I think they have a bigger impact coming from Traylon Burks than they would from Derrick Henry. Not, not because he's better or whatever, but it changes the way the defense has to react to what you're doing more than what they already scheduled to plan for, <laughs> which is to stop Derrick Henry. Um, we know they're not going to go all the way away from Derrick Henry. So if they're, let's hypothetically make up a number here, and I'm sure you've got actually got the numbers, but if they're a 60-40 run heavy team, let's say, do you really actually want it to be 35 pass attempts, 35 rushing attempts? Is that what you're suggesting? Is just oh, really, be, be I would as like balanced as possible? I, I think that the issue is that this team doesn't run enough offensive plays, right? So when you right. don't run enough offensive plays, and you're inefficient at running the football. I don't care. Even when Derrick Henry was going off, it was still an inefficient rushing team that just benefited from the fact that essentially he just got some chunk plays here and there. I mean, they were still the inefficient. Style of the right? they, they benefited yeah. from the style of the game. Right. Right. So you need to be looking at running more pass plays early down. Because, like I said, they are the sixth best pass play on def or uh, explosive pass play offense on rate of plays versus that they run and what they actually achieve. So, they, you're talking about they've ran through, they've had 300 dropbacks, including sacks. They've done 30 pass plays or pass explosive pass plays. So, that's so over, over, tw over, over 20 over yards. 20 yards. Okay. I mean, it's just right there staring you in the face that Ryan Tannehill's really good on early down success rate. He's really good in EPA per play. He's maintained a top 15 level, some to oftentimes top 10 in a bunch of important statistical categories. And he's done it with and without Traylon Burks on a consistent basis. You have to just get now Ryan Tannehill, Burks, Chigakonku, Dontrell Hilliard, Robert Woods, and Nick Westbrook-Akine, get all these guys involved. I mean, and... I, I think that you need to start relying on a little bit of, I would say, 300-yard games from Ryan Tannehill because you know what that's eventually going to do? It make teams back away from the box, and then you punish them. Right? You, what they've been doing is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then hopefully you we get you we catch you sleeping because you're trying to think that we're going to run the ball game. You now I think they need to pass, pass, and then catch them sleeping with a run.
Yeah. And and it's frankly, it's what the Packers do a lot. And it's what they did to Philadelphia last week, which is they are they are going to run the ball like crazy, but they couldn't it didn't work at first. So they had to throw the ball and then they came back to the running game. Um, and again, it's not it's it's pretty standard football stuff here. I do think a big part of why this can happen. And I'm curious, like, like I'm sure that when they put that film on, when Traylon Burks recovered that fumble and they put that film on, I am sure like Mike Vrabel was fully aroused, like just. When, when you watch a player hustle down a, the back end of a play like that to make sure just on the off bizarre random chance that that thing happens, that you're there to make the play based exclusively on hustle and teamwork, I'm assuming Vrabel's pants were awfully tight during that film session. So I, I just that's the kind of thing that that we know he loves to see. And it is why I think you can now begin to to focus more on Traylon Burks on early downs down the field. He's t- developed into that guy, and we've got something for you guys to 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 show and kind of sort of illustrate uh, exactly what took place. This is where's this from, Zach? Is this from NFL? I, I don't know or? where. I, all I know is that in a, uh, at Dove Kleiman NFL or NFL Dove Kleiman, whatever D O V Kleiman. Okay, uh, I don't know where he pulled it from, but it's a video of the play, the infamous play. Derrick Henry screen pass gets knocked down, gets the ball knocked out. Traylon right. Burks falls off. He comes in, in, to the side. Well, I was going to say, in case if in case this is from the NFL, we just want to make sure this is probably courtesy of the NFL itself. So we, yeah, it's courtesy is... of whoever owned the video. Go to Dove Kleiman's video and yeah. see if you're the one that owns it. Then, hey, <laughs> guess what? We just gave you credit for whatever. There we go. Yeah, we gave you credit. I, I don't think anybody's really fucking listening to this that matters like that. So anyway, <laughs> you could go over to him, and if you're not getting credited on his tweet, that's his fucking problem. That's true. Okay, so... He falls on the fumble. He comes back to the sideline. I guess I don't know which one of them's mic'd up or if someone is just filming them and happens to have the mic close enough. And Traylon Burks, you know, is talking about the mistake that he made. And Mike Verbal's like, what mistake did you make? He's like, well, that was my guy. And, you know, I, I let him through blocking. And he goes, you know, but you fell on it, right? You realize you made a mistake. You corrected the mistake. And it's just one of those moments where, Everybody has talked about Mike Vrabel being a great coach, but that was like one of the key moments of a player buying into what Mike Vrabel has been selling because Mike Vrabel has been telling us all year. Yeah, you know, Burks will get some more playing time as he's able to do some of the things more that we ask him to do. Probably one of them is blocking his man all the way down the field. But if you don't do that, Vrabel doesn't matter as long as you correct the mistake when it happens. And this particular thing, it was jumping on the ball which is not a very common thing you see a wide receiver or any young player do because that seems like a thing that it's taught. Like normally they try to go pick it up with their hands, right? You always see a guy bend down to pick it up or you see a guy not give up on the play. Oh, I didn't block my guy. My guy's way in front of me. I'm going to quit running. And he didn't do either. And, and I think that goes to Mike Frable's coaching and it leads us into, does he want, to coach the next generation of 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 football players. So I reached out to some people at Ohio State and because he was there obviously very briefly. And I think that the number one difference that people need to understand about college and pro coaching, there's only one real, I mean, aside from the age of the athlete and their compensation being very different, you're talking to millionaire adults versus unpaid children. Those are the two different. The, the other major difference is recruiting. It takes up basically eighty percent of your work week. It is exclusively about recruiting. It is not about 
developing a player one-on-one about teaching him the right rip or the second, the second spin move off your pass rush or how to manipulate a DB's hips on, on a route tree at the top of your route. Like it's not about that stuff in college as much as it is about acquiring players. And so I asked, I said, how, how much does, how much did Vrabel love recruiting when he was at, at Ohio state? He says, well, he says he loves it was the quote I got back. Like he says he loves it. And then the first question that was asked to me was how much does he make? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I, all, is it all about money? You think then in this situation? And, and I think he is, what's he at? Like 9 million a year for the Titans? I don't roughly, know if we actually know. They, they rarely give out that information on the NFL. It's not like the NCAA no, we hear I know. about it all the time. I don't think it ever got told to us. I, I have, I've seen some like offhand reporting. That's not like firsthand stuff that says it's, you know, above eight ish, give or take. I've also seen some reporting that had like Belichick making like 15, 17 million dollars, which doesn't seem right. But I guess it's possible for the greatest football coach, maybe in NFL history. Um, it's all about your time. It's all about your time. And and once his kids are out, maybe of the house, which they are now. Right. And and like maybe he wants to. But but if but if the Titans can pay the same amount of money as Ohio State, I don't know why any man, any person as a coach would want to spend 300 nights away from home recruiting when you can just be in the NFL and have John Robinson do all the work for you to bring your players in. I think it's about the time. And if the money's equal, I don't think he has any desire to go to Ohio State, in my opinion. That's okay, just so my that's just my opinion. So there's 32 coaches, obviously, in the NFL, and there's only 19 where people know what they're making per year. And Mike Vrabel's not on him, but the last reported thing was that he was making three million in 2021, so last year. So nobody knows what he what got. The raise if, was yeah. yeah. So if he got up to 10 million, that'd make him the fourth highest paid coach in the NFL, and that does not seem like a Tennessee Titans kind of spending. No, deal. but it would be it would be where he probably ranks in quality of coach, right? right but that he, doesn't necessarily. No, no, no I agree. I agree. I would I yeah. would say that he probably got let's say double the let's say he got double the money hypothetically here. Yeah, if he's so making that'd be six, six million, which would put him around thirteenth. Uh, if he's making six to eight million, let's say hypothetically, Ohio State can pay a lot more than that. Ohio State can pay 10, 11, 12 million. You know, we're seeing Lane Kiffin get a nine million dollar deal from from Ole Miss. Ohio State can pay whatever they really want to pay. I think a lot of this is from just Ryan Day having two really bad games against Michigan. He has recruited extremely well. He's lost two games in the Big Ten in like four years. <laughs> like it's not like Ryan Day is actually on the hot seat. So I don't think this is truly feasible. I think Mike Vrabel is where he wants to be. I think when he lays his head down at the end of every night, he does not dream about winning national championships. He dreams about cutting off his genitalia for a Lombardi trophy. Like that is what he dreams about. I just don't think he has any desire to go recruit like a madman, like you have to do to be great at, at, at college. If he were to ever be fired, if he were to ever be out of, out of the good graces of the Tennessee Titans, maybe that's when he looks as Ohio state as a landing spot, but I don't, I don't see him ever leaving a pro NFL head coaching job from what I understand and from who I talk to, to ever go be a head coach in college because of recruiting and the amount of time it takes. I'll say this, that when I was enjoying all the fire Ryan day talk on Saturday and Sunday <laughs> and all this stuff, I never once <laughs> thought that, Oh shit, Mike Vrabel is an yes, alumni exactly. of Ohio state exactly. now, but I also read this article and I read the insight that Joe Rexford has give was had provided everybody. And it was very, I thought it wasn't clickbaity. Like 
No, no, no. Like, no. here's the thing is that when you usually get these, you know, is these uh, his articles, not stupid ass. But when you usually get the could Mike <laughs> Vrabel go coach for uh, Boston College because and then someone's just writing this article because, oh, his son went to right. school there and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just usually filled with frivolous shit. This was filled with meaningful information, insight, investigation, antidotes from it, when he was doing research on the 2012 Ohio State undefeated team. Joe Rex wrote for an article in the article uh, for uh, the Athletic. The article for the article. Yeah. Um, yeah. The article for Athletic. Um, and I thought it was very. It was like, you know, I never really had thought about Mike Vrabel going back to coaching. Now, do I think that he stays a Tennessee Titan? And I'd be very surprised if he left the NFL for a college thing. Yes, I would be surprised. But now do I have a little bit more possibility that I think that, oh, well, maybe they shouldn't fire Ryan Day and I shouldn't revel in Ohio State fans' misery? Then, yeah, because it could end <laughs> up. I never really thought, how could Ryan Day's firing affect Zach Lyons? And at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what came to realize. It could affect my it could affect my It's well-being. true. What, what I learned a long time ago in this business, a very smart mentor of mine taught me this, like my first two years coming out of college and I got into the college football media world. And that is, you when it when it comes to a coaching decision, you have no idea what makes a guy tick. You just don't. You can, we can say broadly yeah. that moving from A to B makes sense for most people, or for moving from B to C makes sense for most people. And moving from an NFL head coaching job to a college head coaching job, even if it is his alma mater and one of the best, if not the best, coaching job in the entire country, minus maybe Alabama, let's say it it does it like outside of Bobby Petrino leaving Atlanta, who is obviously a very different personality type than Mike Vrabel, to go to Arkansas. Um, there, it just doesn't happen very often. Like Matt Rule, yeah, I guess the Saban was 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 Saban was before Petrino, right? Saban was Spurrier left on his own as well. But like most of them are fired, and then they go back to college. Yeah. Like, like Matt Rule, Matt Rule yeah. gets he was very good in college, gets fired in the NFL, goes back to college. That is how generally the path works. And should the Titans miss the playoffs for four or five straight years, I, Ohio State would absolutely be on his call list. Like that would be his agent's first call would be to whoever the higher state people are and says, "Would you like me in some?" former fashion. And I do think because of his ability to teach and coach and, and build culture, he would be an extraordinary head football and, coach. And at his Ohio family's State. all gone now. I mean, that right. was one of the bigger things back right. when, when he talks about not liking recruitment is his family. Well, his family's pretty much right at the age where he doesn't have to worry about them. And I think this is a good thing to play into why he wouldn't take the job because if Ryan day's fired, Vrabel's more likely to hire day as his OC, who it was his first choice for the Tennessee Titans before he took the Ohio state job. But also if he totally took the agree. job, who's is going to be his offensive coordinator? Because obviously he would want Ryan day. Obviously Luke fickle's not going to take it. So I mean, of course Luke fickle's not offensive coordinator anyway, but you know, obviously who would he hire? Kerry Coombs as the defensive coordinator, which they've already seen through there. I mean, they don't like I, <laughs> I don't know if really he has anybody that he would want to take with him. Not from the time that would jump from the NFL to the to the Ohio State. So no, I, I think, feel like the staff would be very lacking too. I think the staff would be very different. I think he would attract some really good candidates. I think Vrabel could Vrabel's name. I think would attract some really big candidates. Honestly, if Ryan Day, let's say two years from now they lose two more times to Michigan because that is how I, it may the, even take one more time. The only way you are judged as the Ohio State coach is against Michigan and winning national championships. Those yeah. are the only two. That's that is the only thing you are judged on. It is you, you, Ohio State dominates the conference. The Big Ten doesn't have an SEC problem. They have an Ohio State problem. And the only thing that they are judged on is how you play against Michigan and do you win championships. 
And if Ryan Day, who I think has been outcoached in almost every single major football game in which his team was evenly matched, he wins every game where his team's way better, but <clears throat> he's lost almost every game, or he's not been the difference, I should say, in these big games. One or two more of those, Luke Fickle is the top candidate, in my opinion. Luke Fickle, who's now at Wisconsin, doesn't mean he can't leave to go back to Ohio State. Just because he went from Cincinnati to Wisconsin doesn't mean he still can't go to Ohio State in a couple years. So Luke Fickle, to me, would be the hire. Um, I, if I'm Ohio State, I would like murder small puppies to hire Mike Vrabel. But like, I don't think he. the amount of time you have to spend recruiting in college is extraordinary. And maybe NIL changes that, and that's why he's okay with that. I just don't. I think what makes him tick? Lombardi trophies. And you cannot win those at Ohio State. Yeah, and I, and I think that he may even have an issue that you know, we'll, we can go ahead and use this transition to that. You talk about not winning the big games. You talk about not making the playoffs. But what if Ohio State somehow, crazily enough, made it into the playoffs, had to face Michigan again, and lose to Michigan again Ooh, in the same juicy. year? That's juicy. That's, yeah, that would be in, that would almost me it, it for. I go back to how does this affect me? It would, <laughs> it would be such a blessing for Ron Day to get fired and Mike Vrabel to stay and hire Ryan Day. Like that to me is the perfect scenario for mm. Ryan Day being fired. You trust his offensive scheme to to be that good in the NFL right away? I think Mike Vrabel did, and that's why he wanted yeah, to hire true. him. That's true. I think, I think that that his scheme works. We've seen it work in the NFL in various situations and various different variations of the actual scheme itself. I think that you have a quarterback that in both Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis, which is ding, 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 that the supposedly the future would thrive in that kind of an offense. I, I need to see, because Ryan Day has made some very questionable in-game calls this year. Again, against Maryland, it's third and one. And they ran the ball up and down the field, and they passed the ball on third and one, and like on like in the red oh, zone. Oh, that's no different than Todd Downing. That's it, there's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like there's a lot of there's been more questionable decision making on the offense this year than ever before. They were terrible against Northwestern. They were terrible against Iowa, even though the game ended up in a blowout. Like they did not achieve to what the expectations were for a C.J. Stroud led offense with like four NFL weapons all around him. Mm. And so I, now we're off into a different subject, which is would Ryan Day work as the Titans offensive coordinator? I think you'd be better than Todd Downing possibly, but I don't I don't think it's as surefire as people think because right now I'm not seeing a whole lot from Ryan Day that gives me confidence that he is even the guy for Ohio State, much less an NFL team. So yeah. that's just um when when it so when it comes to expansion of the playoff, obviously we got the news. Uh by the way, go to the pharmacy, use the Kingston group for any big decisions about your house. Search Weiss Liquors on Uber Eats. Have the booze delivered right to your house as quickly as 20 minutes. Weiss Liquors. So you can drink. Bingo. Weiss Liquors, Kingston Group, the pharmacy, three locally owned and operated businesses here in Nashville, serving the Nashville community. So you should support them as well. So we appreciate you guys uh, for doing that. Again, pharmacy, buildkg.com for Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors. Uh, the playoff officially is going to expand in 2024. So we get four team this year, obviously four team next year. And then it does expand. I think this is partly why guys like Lane Kiffin stayed at Ole Miss. I think it's why Mark Stoops took the extension at Kentucky. Uh, I think it's why Tennessee's positioned really well. Uh, when this playoff expands, it it's going to help the sort of middle to upper class of college football get a lot more teams into the playoff. Um, and I know we've covered this ad nauseum here, but it's 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 really good for the depth of the game around the country. I don't think it changes Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State all that much. I think they're still going to win most of the championships. Um, but it is, I, I hate the fact that I just, it's, it sounds like you said you disagreed with something that I, I oh, I just think it's funny that now that they've expanded it 
You hate that they've expanded it because they didn't no. go to uh, everybody's home field advantage thing. Well, that's not a new that's not a new complaint. I've been screaming about this since the two years ago when they announced this could be a possible possibility. The, and then they gave us about whatever it was six, eight months ago, like sort of the actual rundown and the format that was going to be voted on. The idea that we are going to play college football games in neutral site, corporate stale parking lots indoors with artificial turf and and roofs with corporate sponsors like the idea of Tennessee and and like Ohio State playing a playoff game in Miami is fucking stupid. It's stupid. And the only reason you do it is because they're outsourcing the games to their country club buddies yeah. so that they can make a bunch of money. It's not about what really is good for the game. I want to see Neyland stadium. I want to see death Valley. I want to see the horseshoe. I want to see happy Valley. I want to see Outson stadium hosting playoff games. Like Stanford every other has sport never been the about the good of the game. It's always been about money. It's always been about money. And I get that. But like the only sport talking that does... heads just are trying, and I'm not saying particularly because you understand it, but there's a lot of talking heads there talking about, oh, this is great for the game and great for blah blah blah. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's a it's the same result, just a different method of getting there, and it's all about just making more money. It is for about everybody. Make... It's for for no. the coaches, for the for the school. Play... For finally, the finally for the players, finally, yeah, for, finally the players. for the players. But, but at least the players get a cut of yeah. that as well. Um, and again, I don't like NIL is a part of this, and you know, but really. Ultimately, the first point is it's good for programs like Tennessee and Kentucky and Ole Miss and, and South Carolina and Arkansas and Auburn even. Like, all you got to be is about 10 and 2. If you can get to 10 and 2, Tennessee right now would make a playoff, no question about it. Like, that's it, full stop. And so uh, if you can get to 10 and 2 in the SEC, you're absolutely going to make the 12-team playoff. And when you do, you got a chance to pull an upset and, and maybe surprise some people. Um, that would change Kentucky and Ole Miss's entire life's existence. Like, Tennessee belongs there, but... Those other programs that have never won their division, <laughs> like yeah. those are the teams that uh, that benefit the most from all of this. So, well, let's talk about these matchups and everything. I mean, oh, who do you think? I, I think we all know who we probably are going to see in there. But what is a what's a matchup that you think that's feasible that could happen if everything fell right? Like what I'm rooting for? Or what yeah, I what are you happen? rooting for? I, I'm rooting for. So the so the Vegas statistical odds of both USC and TCU winning their conference championship game Friday and Saturday night is actually very low. Um, but I want to see those four in because I don't really want to see Ohio State in, not for any particular reason. But if you've got Bama fatigue out there, why don't you all also have Ohio State fatigue? Like, I never understand why that doesn't apply equally to both sides. Yeah, Ohio State's in there just as often as Bama is. So I think seeing TCU and USC and Michigan is more interesting, first of all. Um, the best matchups would be TCU at three against Michigan at two with Georgia and USC at one and four. That would be the two best games, I think. What I would prefer is for USC and Michigan to be two and three so that we get an elite matchup with those two. And then one of those two wins their way to play Georgia. Sorry, TCU fans, but you will be sacrificed at the altar of Kirby Smart in the first round of the playoff in that scenario. So I kind of want to see, I want to see USC and Caleb Williams the Heisman Trophy winner, probably, on the against Georgia, the best defense in the country in the national championship game. I think that would be interesting. I think Michigan against Georgia in the national championship game could actually be interesting. You're right, Taylor Lewan. They actually do have a chance. But I, the one thing I don't want to see is 
TCU in the national title game, I don't think. Like, that's the one I don't think is capable of Because that feels like it's like Cincy, Alabama last year, right? Yeah, it doesn't like, feel like, like they're going to... one gonna... of those games where it does you know yeah. the answer and you're going to have low ratings more than likely. It's, it's still yeah. high ratings, but low ratings comparatively to others. Yeah, it's, dis- it's disrespectful to TCU and what they've accomplished this year. There's no question, but I agree with you. And and also, all the conspiracy theories will get blown up. If, if TCU loses and still gets in, which I think they should, if Georgia loses, they'll still get in. If Michigan loses, they'll still get in. The top three should be able to lose in close games and still get into the playoff. I don't know why TCU would be treated any differently than Michigan or, or Georgia. They've played tougher strength of schedule. But don't they, but they don't really treat those teams traditionally differently than every year? Wouldn't I, they? I, don't they rather have a, a two-loss uh, Ohio State team or, or whatever it is, whatever loss they got? Wouldn't they rather have Ohio State in than TCU? So if TCU loses, they're like, oh, we always knew you are going to be this team i i think it if you look at the metrics on their resume however like they have more wins versus top comp, top 40 teams in michigan they have they're undefeated at the same exact stage my, my point is, is if the committee views michigan as already in i don't know why you wouldn't also view tcu as already in because tcu's played a much tougher schedule has the same record michigan's been a little more dominant and they have one better win but like i i, I don't know like i I think all three should be treated equally. That that, but they don't. Have, they've proven they really don't ever treat those guys as equally. I don't think they drop UCF? them. I don't think they would. No, that was not. That wasn't close to to a Big Twelve team going undefeated. But it's I, the Big Twelve. Does anybody even respect that conference? Yes, absolutely. Anymore? Are you sure? It's a, it's a it's a it's a very it's way better than the ACC, and it's it, it's not better than the Pac twelve, but it's on par with the Big Ten this year. It's a very good conference, and it's respected through the metrics and through the strength okay. of schedules and everything. And the committee has given a lot of respect to, to, how to TCU. Much, if, if Alabama is ranked higher than Tennessee, how much can we rely on these metrics to really be I, taken apart? I, I think Alabama's the better. Without Hendon Hooker, I think Alabama's the better team. I just But didn't they just boat race it. a Vanderbilt team that Alabama couldn't even score or couldn't stop from scoring points? Uh, I don't know if they played this year, Vandy and Alabama. Yeah, but they did. Maybe they, maybe they did. I, I the. I think if you're asking me who's better football team, I think Alabama's the better team. Alabama doesn't have as good a wins as Tennessee. Tennessee has way worse losses. Um, but I they just, don't care about the 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 point differential, right? Because that's what they told us. They told us they don't care. Boo. What's yeah, they, in the room. In, in the, the room, room, they do. In the, the room, analysts, they, they just don't think so. In the room, how dominant you were matters. If you gotcha. lose on the last play of the game versus lose by 63 points to South Carolina, those are two things that matter. Gotcha. Um, and Boo said as much. He's like, yeah, the, the fact that, that that loss was ugly for Tennessee was the deciding factor. They did say that it was like the most heated debate. I think when you take Hendon Hooker off the team, and it is a very difficult thing to do to, to judge. You what told it, me that that I can't really do that if they go out and win against Vanderbilt. They boat race Vanderbilt, and it really doesn't matter if Hooker's Well, but I guess the question is, and this is just a tough thing to to do, balancing what a team has accomplished versus what they currently are. And those are two different things when you take the Heisman Trophy candidate off the team. Like you can't tell me that they're not they're not the they're not the same team without Hendon Hooker. They're just well, not. And to be fair, they ran all over Vanderbilt. Joe Milton really did nothing that. Dude, impressive. Joe Milton missed forty seven wide open receivers exactly the way we thought he would, yeah. which is throwing the ball fifteen yards too far. Like it's not like Joe Milton is not good. At- I'm just trying to get some information because. You know, this is a kind of a new learning experience for me since part of the job description is to yep. dive deeper to college football. I like it. So I'm trying to figure out because there's also UT fans who listen to this who don't understand because this is why I said 
when when UT fans were complaining all up and using their orange handkerchiefs to wipe away their tears over something that really doesn't matter. It now does, they're, not, it now does not matter. And now they're all mad at Kirk Curbstreet because Kirk Curbstreet said, "Oh well, Ohio State may you know you know try to push them at cells out of the Rose Bowl or whatever it was because they played it like two years in a row, whatever." Kirk Herbstreet said, <laughs> you know, that he's using his influence to to do stuff behind the scenes um, that, you know, I've always said, well, you lost to f- South Carolina by four touchdowns. Yeah, you got it. Wasn't uh, close. Sorry. It wasn't <laughs> I close. mean, like that's that's the end of the day. It doesn't matter that you beat Alabama. It doesn't matter that you beat LSU and blew them out. If you go and lose to an unranked University of South Carolina team and get your butts blown out. You do not deserve to be ranked higher than teams that lost to other teams by on the last play, on the last, last on the last play of the game. I will say South Carolina. So they lost to number nineteen South Carolina because that's where they finished the season. So they did gotcha. lose to a top twenty team, um, but it was it was hideous. And the committee over eight years of doing this has shown us they do not like bad losses. Ugly losses are are generally like that's pretty consistent through the committee. Otherwise, there's all different levers, right? Like it's it's strength of schedule versus margin of victory versus domination versus health of the quarterback. I, I think I'm okay with it because number one, it doesn't matter. Neither team is getting in. Ohio State is the backstop. If USC and neither lo- team should get in, by the way. I don't no. think that Alabama should get in and UT shouldn't get in either. So who cares if one's ranked higher at six and other one's at seven? Like, God, do you all not have fucking anything no, else to worry about? Well, Ohio State is the backstop. So if anybody yeah. drops out, they have Ohio State to slide right in easily and put right. them right in, and they've got no excuse. They've got all the – they don't have to explain that to anybody. We just put Ohio State in. I think I could argue Michigan or uh, Alabama is the third-best team in America. I think I could argue that pretty easily with their current resume and with their current team. And in a 12-team playoff, who would you not want to see in a 12-team playoff right now? Nick Saban. You would not want to see Bryce Young in Alabama <laughs> with a top-five defense, the greatest coach of all time, and one of the best players in the country, if not the best. So you wouldn't want to see Tennessee if Hendon Hooker was healthy. But without Hendon Hooker, they're a different team. And so yeah. I, I think that matters. Um, I, I just I just hope that the top four stay in the top four, whatever order it might be. That's what I want to see. The weird- I want to see USA, USC versus Georgia. That's good. Now, listen, good. It's good. if it's Michigan and Georgia, I want to see. I just don't want to see TCU in any combination in the final championship game. You don't want to see TCU in any combination. I got you. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. TCU. I yeah, am, no, I I'm good with USC versus Michigan. I'm good with Georgia versus either one of those teams. Here's the crazy thing is that USC might be the most dangerous team because of the offense and how you cannot stop them. Now, they cannot stop anybody. They're 114th in the country in yards per play defense, which is the worst unit that would ever make the playoff on either side of the ball. So it would be and typically those teams don't really no, do they well don't. in the playoffs. I mean, you look at Oklahoma, see Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every, every Oklahoma, this would be a worse defense than every Oklahoma defense that's ever made the playoff, which is saying a lot. Um, so I think if you're Georgia, what's interesting and it all brings, comes back to Georgia. What I think is interesting is be, because Michigan dominated and Ohio state fell out, the chance that Georgia will have to play either USC or Ohio state and then Michigan actually is a far tougher path than Michigan's path would be at number two. Because in theory, at number two, if TCU wins, Michigan will play TCU in Georgia. Or, like, that's an easier path at number two than it would be if you had to play C.J. Stroud or Caleb Williams. Okay, so injured Jaden Daniels, right? High ankle sprain, probably not going to play, even if he does, going to be limping. Any chance of an upset against the LSU Georgia Bulldogs? No, I think you need something extraordinary. Stetson Bennett would have to turn the ball over five times, four times, and B.J. Ojolari, Harold Perkins just go nuts on the defense for LSU. And I actually think the only way it works is if Jaden Daniels is running around like crazy. So yeah. 
I think he's going to give it a go, but like, I don't, he's going to have to play a perfect game and they're going to have to just wreck Stetson Bennett's life. And I, the way Georgia has sort of managed the entire season and added to their offensive game plan, like almost every month, they've kind of brought new pieces out of the, (laughs) out of the, the, you know, the, the armory there. Like I, Georgia just keeps getting better and, and they rise to the occasion pretty much the entire season. So I, I would lay the 17 is what I would do. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you're talking to Georgia Bulldog fans and they're like, it's a little confusing. What do, should I be rooting for to make life easier for Georgia in the college football playoffs? T, uh, USC to win on Friday night and for TCU to lose close on Saturday so that TCU falls to four USC moves to three and then you get TCU in the first round. That is by far the best path for, for Georgia. Better than Ohio State. It would be better than USC. Uh, even if Michigan loses and falls to four, that would be a tougher game. I, I, I'm not trying to be rude to TCU here. I love your story, but like TCU is the weakest of all these teams, and that's the team you'd want to play if you're Georgia. Okay. Heisman ballots do Sunday. I'm not asking you to reveal your vote or anything, but it's obviously Caleb Williams, right? I mean, obviously Caleb <laughs> Williams is the, the front runner to be everything that you need. Out of a out of someone out of a really of a lackluster field because Hidden Hooker did not play the last game and shouldn't that matter? It, it does matter. I think everything matters up until Saturday. If you've cast your vote already, I don't respect you as a voter. Uh, I think you should wait until Sunday morning to do it. Uh, I have done that every year. I voted. I waited till after every single game to do it. Um, generally, I wait until the playoff rankings come out just to make sure that kind of if there's extra data there that I can consider. I really try hard to make this about not just quarterbacks. I really do. I know, you know, I know Micah Parsons is trying to do the same thing with the NFL MVP award right now, like make it about other pieces on the team and on the field. Um, Will Anderson hasn't had the season. I think people expected Um, there's a lot of great defensive players out there. There's a lot of great weapons that are out there on offense. There's no elite offensive linemen. Um, It's unfortunately, it's probably going to be three or four quarterbacks going to New York. I do think Hendon Hooker can get in, though. I think Hendon Hooker can be a finalist. It shouldn't. I think he should still be able to make the trip. I I just don't think he's going to win. I think you're probably going to see the name that. Okay, this is. I don't know if this is tipping my hand or not. I think the name that has been least talked about that is most underrated in all of this, and no one wants to hear it, is Bryce Young. With the worst set of receivers and the worst offensive line we've seen under Nick Saban, the dude was two plays away from being 12-0 and in the SEC championship game and in the playoff. And he was he better doesn't than... get to play on Sunday or this weekend. So does I that know. affect you know people's memory? Because it's very... I mean, how much does recency bias play into the people who have a Heisman vote? I know you... maybe you don't take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you win the award in November. I mean, I think that's... It's not necessarily recency as much as it is like... Maybe maybe it is like the last five to six weeks of the season are feel like it's more important because that's when championships are decided. We know who the good teams are. Um, it's not always just the best player on the best team. It's not always the case at all. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Tim Tebow, Robert Griffin. There's a lot of guys that have won the, the trophy without being the best, without playing on a championship team. Um, I I think Hooker belongs in, as the finalist. I think Bryce Young belongs as a finalist. I think Caleb Williams belongs as a finalist. Um, I don't know if that's tipping my <laughs> tipping my hand on the three names I'm going to put on my ballot or not. Um, CJ Stroud probably deserves a lot of credit. Blake Corm at Michigan deserves a lot of credit. Max Duggan at TCU deserves a lot of credit. Um, a lot of I great. I think what hurt Corman's um, chances is, yeah. I mean, they had another, I can't remember the guy's name, but they Edwards, had that guy yeah. went, yeah, Edwards went crazy on Ohio yeah. State. Now, if Caleb Williams like shits the bed on Friday night against Utah and costs his team a Pac-12 championship and a 
and a playoff spot. I mean, I think that widens. I think that opens things up a, a lot. I do think a lot of people have already voted, though. Yeah. So, so that that's why I think he's going to win it. Uh, if I had to guess, um, it'll be curious to see how many finals there are because I think there is. It is one of the more difficult decisions um, that I've had, and I think there's a lot of really quality options. Yeah. So I agree. So we'll see. Uh, I think that just about does it. Um, Otherwise, support our great and awesome local amazing sponsors, the Pharmacy, Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors, all right there above us. Make sure you turn on the notifications. Uh, make sure you follow Zach on, on Twitter, at FWordsPod. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Broadway Sports Media, all the great shows from Broadway and at 440. You got all kinds of great stuff. We appreciate all you guys for hanging out with us in the comment section and chiming in and interacting with us. We do it for you guys, so we really appreciate it. Um, Zach, don't have any opinions about Titans games during Titans games, okay? You're not allowed. Uh, pretty much. Or even the day after you've actually had your time to think about it. Not even allowed to have opinions about the team that you cover and get paid to talk about. But everybody have a great weekend. Go support local business. Go enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you guys next week. My name's Braden. He's Zach. Thanks for listening. This has been a football show. Oh, 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 oh